0: Guys, uh, those connection cards. If you did a physical one, you can hold on to it till the end of the service. Uh, we'll collect it then. If you did a digital one, you can just hit send whenever you're ready. Uh, I see some. I've seen some football jerseys today. It's the opening weekend of football, so that's fun. Uh, that's what I'll be doing when I get. I'll get home from church in about three this afternoon, and so then I'll just park in front of the TV, watch some football. It's a good day. Um, before I get into before I get into my message um, I, I just want to address all the flooding that we had a week and a half ago. Uh, this, this whole area was was flooded out. Phillips Avenue was flooded out. Fortunately, our building is high enough that we didn't get any water into the building. But I know that a lot of people in our church family were very negatively impacted by the flooding. Uh, and so we were talking in our staff meeting about what our response should be, what, should, what we should do. And uh, we are actually, on Tuesday, we're doing something to work with the town to help some of the, the staff. We're going to be doing some things to help people in, in, in town. Uh, but we, uh, we're thinking about people in our church who have been impacted, who've been affected. And so what we're gonna do over the next two weeks, you'll notice on your push pay app, if you, if you go to the drop downs, you'll see, uh, there's a section that says, uh, flooding 2021. Flood Relief 2021, and so for the next two weeks, we're gonna have that open uh, for you to just donate as the Lord leads, and anything that comes in there is gonna go directly to people who are part of this church family, people who have lost, I mean, there's some people who lost their homes. We had a woman in our church who had 15 feet of flooding. She had to go to the third floor as, as like the water was coming up into the second floor. Um, and so we just wanna do what we can do. I know other people, you lost, you know, furniture. Some people lost cars. We don't know everybody who who lost stuff. We know a lot of people. But if you if you go to this church, if you're a part of this church, uh, send us an email info at njvine.com and and let us know that you were impacted uh, financially by the by the uh, the flooding and then we'll get some more information from you and then for two weeks we'll just receive whatever money you guys feel led to, to give and it'll go right to uh, to the families in our church uh, that need it and let's just let's stick to uh, those who are part of the church not necessarily a friend or someone you know there's there's obviously the food bank is always available people can come for that, but we just felt like knowing there were so many people in our church who were impacted we wanted to uh, we wanted to respond to that um. I forgot to say hello to the live streamers who are joining us today. It's good to have you guys worshiping with us on Facebook Live or YouTube. Let me say one more thing because it's the fall. There's a lot of stuff going on. Life group leaders, we are getting ready for a fall campaign. The hope is, is that next week our plan is to be able to start advertising all of the groups and giving people an opportunity to sign up. I had a wonderful meeting this past week with, with a whole bunch of new life group leaders. and so It was exciting to see some new people getting, in, getting on board, getting in on the action. For those of you who have been leading life groups, I sent you an email this week. And what I'm going to do this afternoon before I go home is I'm going to send that email again. Uh, there's there's a form that you need to fill out so that we can have all the information about where your group is meeting, when your group is meeting, uh, as uh, so we can get ready for next weekend to uh, to start. Getting getting people to sign up, getting people ready uh, for for our, our fall life group campaign, which is going to be starting on on uh, October tenth is when that's going to kick off. All right, so so life group leaders, keep an eye out for that. And yes, we got so much that's going on. Uh, as Marianne was saying, we are starting twenty one days of prayer tomorrow, and uh, I I love twenty one days of prayer. Uh, we do it we do it in the fall. To kind of get ready for the fall season. We do it again, uh, in the beginning of the new year to get ready for the new year. And so what that means is, is we, Monday through Friday, we have prayer meetings here at 6 a.m. that you can come to. And uh, I love coming to these. I come, I don't only, I come sometimes even when I'm not leading. Part of it is that I'm old now. And so you wake up early when you're old. And so it's like, Hey, let's go pray. But, but you can join us in person. You can join our Facebook live. We're going to, on Saturday, we're going to have a big, Wonderful worship, prayer, kind of blowout at 10 a.m. and, and it's going to culminate in a Holy Spirit night. And so, so I'm looking forward to, to just the next three weeks and what that's going to mean for us. The reason we do it, the reason we do it to, to, as we're going into the fall, as we're going into the new year, is that we want to go into new seasons spiritually renewed that it's important that we're spiritually renewed that we're able to just say hey we want to fix our eyes on Jesus we want to shake off any apathy we want you know fresh vision we want fresh power we want to be filled with the holy spirit it's an opportunity to get us dialed into the simple reality that we need more god and so my message today is a pretty simple message and it i felt really led to bring this message with us starting 21 days of prayer cuz i have this sense that God wants to do something in our midst. I have this feeling, This I feel the Lord has been stirring stuff, that, that, that he's getting ready to, to meet us and to fill us and to empower us. And that this 21 days of prayer that we're about to begin is something that's really important to what God wants to do in our lives. And so my first point, very simply, is we seek God because we need God. We seek God because we need God. I don't know about you, but I don't think I've ever been more aware of my need for God than I am right now. Like I know that I need more God in my life, and and there's you know things that I'm dealing with, family things, and things as I'm leading this church, things as we're dealing with just all the the pressure that this world is giving us. We just had heart so hard to believe the 20th anniversary of 9/11 yesterday, and that kind of ushered in this new era, this new period, and so just in so many different ways, we can kind of we can kind of feel the pressure that makes us realize we need more God. We need to, we need to hunger. We need to, to press into the things that God has for us. Zechariah 4-6 says this. It says, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Now, Zerubbabel was a post-exilic Israeli king. And so what that means is, remember the Babylonians, they came and they carried everyone off to Babylon, and then Cyrus got raised up, and, and Cyrus was like, well, okay, I'm going to let some of you guys go back to Jerusalem, and you can rebuild the temple, and, you know, I'm still going to be in charge, but you guys can kind of do your thing. And so Zerubbabel was the king at the time, the post-exilic king, who was kind of in charge of that. And so there was a lot of pressure. There were a lot of challenges that Zerubbabel was facing, the Israelites were facing. There were going to be marauders. There were no walls around the city of Jerusalem, so thieves could just kind of come in. People were discouraged. I'm sure it'd be hard as people go back to Jerusalem and they see it in ruins and the temple is destroyed. So there was a lot that Zerubbabel was facing. But the but the Lord says to Zerubbabel, says, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. In other words, Aruba Bell, with all the stuff that you're facing, you're not going to be able to do it in your own strength. You're not going to be able to do it by yourself. You're not going to be able to do it with your own might, with your own power, with your own intelligence. You're going to need my spirit. And I think this is a word that the Lord, it's a word the Lord has for us at all times. But I think this season right now, this time right now, with all the stuff that's that's facing us, that we need to be aware for our families, for our lives, for our church, for our communities, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And and so it's interesting, the word, that spirit, it's the Hebrew word ruach. And ruach, it's kind of interesting to translate because, you know, the, it's, it's a, an onomatopoeia, which means that it, it sounds, the, the word actually sounds like the thing that it is. So ruach is kind of, to understand like what that word means, it's not just, it's not just spirit or breath, It's it's the sound that you make when you breathe. So what God is saying is that my spirit, my ruach, my breath is available for you. As you live your life, as, you, as we deal with all the pressure and the challenges, God says, my spirit is available for you. The New Testament, the Greek word that's translated spirit is pneuma. And so that's translated the breath of God. And so the good news is that the breath of God, the pneuma of God, the life of God is available to each and every one of us to give us the strength, to give us the power, to give us the life, to give us the transformation that we need as we're following God. It says this in 1 Corinthians 4.20, it says, The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk but of power. I think that too much of what passes for Christianity these days is a lot of talk. And we need talk, we need to communicate ideas, and we need to talk about stuff, but but that's not all it is. And so for too many people, Christianity is, okay, I believe these things. I will give mental assent to these five or six or ten or twenty suppositions, and then we talk about it. Or being a Christian means that you embrace this morality. And so let's talk about the morality. There's way too much, I feel, there's way too much political talk in the church these days. There's too much talk, there's a lot of talk about culture. There's a lot of talk about our personal preferences. But what we need to realize, though, is with all this talk going on, that the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but it's a demonstration of the power of God. And we need a fresh breath of God on us. We need that demonstration of the power of God. The the Greek word for, for power is dunamis. is where we get the word dynamite. And I think that what God wants to do, I think he wants to blow some things up in our life. I think as the Holy Spirit starts to breathe on us and as we open up more and more to what God has for us, that we're going to experience the dunamis of God. And we're going to have some things blown up in a good way. And I, I think this is so important for us to understand. It's important for us to understand at all times, but I think especially in this season. Do you know that, that Jesus, after he rose from the dead, he spent about 40 days making kind of various appearances to his disciples. He'd just kind of show up and he'd hang out with them and he'd give them instructions and he'd hang out and meet with this one person or at one point he met with 500 people. But But one of the things that he said During this period of the 40 days was an instruction to the disciples, which was like, hey, I've given you a really big job. There's going to be a lot of pressure. It's going to be really tough. And he said this, it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, on one occasion while he was eating with them, it was one of the occasions when Jesus was making his post-resurrection appearances, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So what he said, one of the last things he said to the disciples is, listen, don't try to do this thing with your own might, with your own power, but wait to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Wait to be immersed by the Spirit's power. And literally, the last thing that Jesus said before his feet left the earth and he ascended into heaven, he gathered his disciples on the Mount of Olives. And the Mount of Olives is this is this mountain that overlooks Jerusalem. And if you've ever seen a picture, an elevated picture of downtown Jerusalem where you can see like... The, uh, the Dome of the Rock and some other things, it probably was taken from the Mount of Olives. And so they're standing up there and they're looking all over Jerusalem and Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. And so the last place that his foot touched on earth was the Mount of Olives, what the Bible tells us, is that the, the next place that Jesus' foot touches physically when he comes back is going to be that exact same spot in the Mount of Olives. He's going to come back to exactly the same spot where he left. But he said this, In Acts chapter 1.8, and this literally was the last thing he said before he ascended into heaven, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, he says, listen, don't try to do this on your own. Don't try to do this in your own strength. Don't try to keep your family together in your own strength. Don't try to serve me in your own strength. Don't try to get through life in your own strength. Wait for the power that I that is available to you, that you would be baptized, that you would be immersed in the Holy Spirit. And so the good news I have for us here this morning is that wherever you are in your relationship with God, whatever you've experienced in your relationship with God, I want to tell you that there's more. There is more for you. You have not plumbed the depths of the riches of God. No matter who you are or what your testimony is or what God has brought you through, God has more for you. And all throughout, this idea of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a really important concept. It's an important thing for us to understand. It's an important thing for us to seek. And you see all throughout the book of Acts what a big deal this is. I remember... That when I was 17 years old and I'd given my heart to Jesus and I wanted to serve him and I was like all in. I've, I've told the story a few times in church. I was sitting on this fence. And uh, at this this Christian camp down in Texas, and I'm under this beautiful Texas sky, and I'm crying out to God, saying, God, I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. God, I want your power in my life. And I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is the first time I ever got baptized, like immersed, like just kind of, you know, the, the Lord just met me in such a powerful way. And I got knocked off of that fence, and I remember laying in the grass for a while. I don't even know how long I was laying in the grass, but I got up different. I got up different. There was a different power, there was a different hunger, there was a different reality in my life, but that wasn't a one-time thing. I've had many times in my life where I've been immersed, where I've been baptized, where I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And so what I want to encourage you, I just want to say, hey, there's more. There's more. And you might have had an experience with the Holy Spirit 10 years ago. Don't try to live off of something that happened 10 years ago. There's more for you today. There's more for you now. God has more for you. The disciples were told to wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they got this right. And the fact that they got this right changed the world. Because before that, they didn't get a lot of things right. But they got that right. And so they got baptized in the Holy Spirit. They got filled with God's power. But then you read just a couple chapters later in Acts chapter 4 that they needed to be filled again that the Holy Spirit came and shook the place where they were. So what I believe is that we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then we need to be baptized again and then again and again, that this is a normal part of the Christian life, that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. So let me show you a couple of examples of what I'm talking about this morning from the book of Acts to show you like how important being baptized in the Holy Spirit was and how it was something that happened subsequent to salvation. Some of you theologians out there are like, oh, okay, Phil's wading into this. But I I think it's pretty clearly seen in the Bible. Acts chapter 19, verses one to six. It says, while Apollos was a Corinth... Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. So, remember, I said last week that Paul had these three missionary journeys uh, throughout the Mediterranean basin. Well, this is one of those journeys. He's in Ephesus. There, he found some disciples. And he asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, No, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So, these were disciples, but they hadn't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So, Paul asked, What baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul, so they, so they're following their, they, they were baptized. They're following repentance. They're waiting for the Messiah. Paul says, Hey, it's Jesus. They're like, all right, cool. Let's get baptized in the name of Jesus. And so they kind of take that next step. And then Paul said, Okay, great. Now you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. And so we laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. But you had this group of disciples who said, well, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And I don't know if I'm talking to anyone today who's like, yeah, no, I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. But I think a lot of us, we live as if there isn't a Holy Spirit. Like we're not aware of the power and the life and the strength that's available to us and we're trying to get through life in our own power and in our own might but God has good news for you today. There is more that God has for you. God's breath his ruach wants to breathe on you, wants to give you strength, wants to give you hope, wants to help you become an overcomer as you're following him. Here's another uh, incredible account, interesting account. This is Acts chapter eight, and so another thing I said last week was that the the church was supposed to be this worldwide movement, right? And and so it gets started in Jerusalem, and it's blowing up, and it, people are are getting saved, but it but the movement isn't moving. So what God did, we talked about how he raised up Paul, but something else that he did too is he sent a little bit of persecution to the church. He allowed it, so the church got scattered. So they could go now, they they had to go, they had to leave Jerusalem because there was persecution. So so Philip, that's a great name, uh, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there When the crowds heard Phil, that's what his friends called him, and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. So if you remember a little bit of the history, the Jews didn't like the Samaritans. Because they, they had this like synchronistic faith, which was a little bit of Judaism and a whole lot of paganism. So the Jews thought they were impure. So Philip, when they get scattered, he's like, I'm going to go up to Samaria. And so he goes up to Samaria and he's preaching the gospel of Jesus and demons are getting cast out of people and people are getting healed and everybody's excited and stuff is happening. And so verse 12, it says, when they believe Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So what I want you to see here is that this wasn't like, oh, John's baptism. No, this was clear. They heard about Jesus. They saw signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. They were baptized into the name of Jesus. So they were all followers of Jesus. They were Christians. They were people who were walking with God. But then this interesting thing happened. Philip goes back to Jerusalem. And he says, hey guys. Listen, leaders. Peter, James, John. I just went to. I just had a ministry trip to Samaria. And it was awesome. Let me tell you all the stuff that God did. And so it says this in uh, verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God. They sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived. They prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So I want you to see it was something like it was totally subsequent to their salvation. Now, some people might say, well, wait a minute, hold on, but didn't they already have the Holy Spirit? I'd say, yes, they did have the Holy Spirit. We can't believe in Jesus without the Holy Spirit. The the disciples in John chapter 20, Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit, but then they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. So if you believe in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit, but just a, a simple kind of analogy that has helped me understand how this works, and I've used it when I've been teaching on this, is imagine if you go into your bedroom and there's a jar of perfume, right? You have all the perfume that you need. It's there in the jar, but you don't really know it's there. You don't smell it unless you pick up the perfume and you, you know, you pick up the bottle and you smell it. But imagine if that jar, that bottle of perfume fell off your dresser and cracked open, Right? Then the smell of perfume would be so strong that it would overwhelm you. It would be too much. But if you, you could be in your driveway and you would probably smell the perfume. It's the same amount of perfume, but now it's broken open. I think that's a great way for us to understand the baptism or the immersion or the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit if you're a follower of Jesus, but we gotta break open the bottle we got to break open the bottle and see the aroma of God, the aroma of love, the aroma of life permeate every single nook and cranny of your life. And so you may say, why does God do it this way? Why is it so often that it's, that it's these kind of stages? Like, what's that about? And I have an idea. This is just my own theory. But, but the one thing we know about salvation is there's nothing we can do to earn it. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And I wonder if God has it so so when we just accept Jesus, all we need to do is open up our heart and ask him to come in. There's nothing we need to do and there's nothing we need to experience because it's a free gift. It's a free gift that God gives us. But once we accept Jesus, it's not the end of our spiritual journey. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning because then from that place you realize that God has more for you. And as I've been saying, I think that as we get ready to start 21 days of prayer, that this is time for all of us, as we, as we relate as the body of Christ in this place and as we go and as we try to be faithful to Jesus in all the different aspects of our lives, this is an invitation that God is giving us to press in for the more. To say, God, I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. God, I don't want to live by my might, by my power. I don't even think that's going to work anymore, God. I want a fresh visitation of your power. I want a fresh visitation of your life. Is there anyone here this morning who's ready for a fresh move, a fresh breath of God over their life? And so just kind of moving through this simple outline that I put together, the third thing is this. We need to shake off our apathy. We need to shake off our apathy. God said this through the prophet Amos. And this was written, the book of Amos was written in this time, which was kind of a a rare time for the Israelites. Things were going good. Like they were prosperous. They were at peace. Everything was going good. And the word of the Lord to the Israelites in that moment through Amos was woe to you who are complacent in Zion and who feel secure on Mount Samaria, you notable men of the foremost notion, nation to whom God, the, the people of Israel, have come. So, so they've gotten complacent. And I think that's something that happens to us, right? We, we just kind of, yes, we're following Jesus, and we've got Jesus in our life, but it's so easy for us to get complacent. It's so easy for us to just get caught up in the rhythms of our life, and we go to work, and we got our favorite TV shows, and we got our favorite restaurant, and we got a hobby that keeps us distracted a little bit, and we've got our circle of friends, and we you know, we just kind of get caught up in the routine. And so we find that we become complacent, but we need to remember that there's more, that God has more for us. And, and uh, I was thinking about the way I would be with my kids On Christmas morning, I have four kids. Now, they're all adult. They're adult kids. But when they were little, Norma and I, we were not the kind of parents who, like, gave our kids gifts, like, all throughout the year, right? We weren't like, okay, here's this, and here, take that. But what we would do is, you know, we we wanted to make Christmas, like, really big. Like we wanted, we wanted like shock and awe for Christmas. I, it might have been a little bit more. I mean, Norma wanted it to be nice. I would tend to go a little bit overboard, and so, so we wanted it just to be like overwhelmed with presents that when the kids got up on Christmas morning they were like, "Wow, this is amazing." True story. I was talking to, to my daughter Lily when she was a little girl, and I'm walking them to school, and they're at the age where like some of their friends are starting to like not believe in Santa, and I'm just and I'm just like, "Well, what do you think, Lily?" And she said. There has to be a Santa Claus because there's no way you and mom could afford all the presents we get. And I, and I remember thinking, hold that thought, Lily. Hold that thought in about a year or two that you could like appreciate it. But, but I, that's what I always, I always wanted that. And so I remember one year. We had, a, I think at the time, we had an 11 p.m. Christmas Eve service, so I get home late, and my kids were getting a little bit older, so like the gifts, it was like Game Boys, and you know, like gifts that were more expensive, but were smaller, and I look at the Christmas tree, and, and Norma, we're about ready to go to bed, and Norma had wrapped everything, and done all the work, and I'm like, there's not enough. There's not enough presents. And she looked at me, and she goes, you're crazy. What is wrong with you? She's like, we once again went overboard. And I'm like, no, is Walmart still open? There's not enough. But imagine how I would, and there was more than enough. She was right, as she always is. But, um, but imagine if my kids got up on Christmas morning and opened up one present and took that present and just like went to their room and started playing with it. I'd be like, oh, I'm happy that they like that present. But there's more. There's more, God, there's more, there are more presents under the tree. Right, Whatever it is you're enjoying, whatever it is you're enjoying in God right now, where God is giving you value and strength and hope in your life, enjoy it, that's good, but I want to tell you that there's more. And so my goal this morning is just to kind of shake off the complacency, that we get to the place where we're like, I want everything that God has for me. And I think that one of the things, one of the results of this pandemic is that I think that it's made us all a little bit complacent. I think that something has happened where, like, we didn't have to leave the house, and we could spend the day in sweatpants, and maybe you had to put a nice shirt on, but you had sweatpants and slippers on, you know, that that wasn't seen on the Zoom, but yet your shirt was nice, and and we just kind of got to the place where where we're not going out, we're not connecting with people, where, you know, and and actually statistics kind of bear that out. Statistics say that since the pandemic started, people are socializing less, they're watching a lot more TV, they're drinking more. they're eating you know more junk food there's just kind of this unhealthy complacency that's fallen on us and let me just say this and I definitely you know not so much to the people here in this room but I want to say to those of you who are watching on the live stream when I remember a few months ago And the vaccines were rolling out and people getting vaccinated. And we started to see more and more people coming back to church. And it was awesome. And then the Delta variant hit. And then we started seeing a little bit less coming. And so I want to say to those of you who are on the live stream... I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you're connecting. And for those of us who are, are still nervous or at high risk or whatever it is, we, we want to have a service for you that you can connect to. And we're going to do 21 Days of Prayer, Facebook Live. We got new cameras. We've done all that. But, but one of the things, though, that I, I think something else, though, beyond the people who are staying connected and just kind of waiting a little bit longer, which we totally get, we totally understand, I think there are some people who have just gotten complacent. I think that, you know what, and actually statistics kind of bear that out, that you had, once this pandemic hit, we had like lots of people, not just our church, but all churches nationwide, worldwide, connecting via the live stream. But as it went on, more and more people just kind of dropped off. People just got out of the habit of connecting with God. And so I wonder if maybe now that we're a year and a half out from this pandemic, if we honestly take a look and say, maybe I've gotten a little complacent. Maybe I have just some of the spiritual discipline, some of the things that I've done, some of the ways that I've connected with God, ways that I've served, maybe I've just kind of let that fall off the wayside. Lots of people I think have done that, but I think this is an opportunity for us to say I don't want to live that way anymore. And whether it means trying to stay connected and non-complacent through Zoom or whether it's being in person, whatever it is that we say, I want to hunger and thirst again for God. I want to pursue everything that God has for me because I know that I need His power and I need His strength and I need His life. Jesus said this Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Let's hunger and thirst again. Now we don't know, you know, hunger and thirst. We're like, okay, hunger and thirst. We don't know too much about hunger and thirst, right? I mean, it's interesting. Like the 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 health problems in the United States aren't because of malnutrition; it's because of the opposite of it. Most of the health issues are because of obesity, or because we eat too much, or we eat the wrong food. But I remember when I was when I was in high school and I was a wrestler. I um I, I wanted as a junior I wanted to I wanted to get a spot on the varsity team. And the guy who wrestled at 142, he was like a state champion. I couldn't beat him. But I could beat the guy who was at 135. And so I was like, I'm going I'm I'm to cut weight, and I'm going to get to 135, which actually the beginning of the season was 132. I was the height I am now. I was probably, you know, 150 pounds. I didn't have any fat on me, but I, I had to get down to 132. And so our, our meets would be on Wednesday nights and Saturdays. And so I remember the Wednesday night meets, um, I'd come in on Monday morning, and we would run, and I would be like 10 pounds overweight. So I had to lose 10 pounds by Wednesday. And so now, first of all, this was the 80s crazy things happened in the 80s. Anyone who went to high school, it's amazing that we survived the 80s because there were no rules. There were no rules. You could cut weight. You know, they have regulations now. They don't let people do that. But back then it was the 80s. And so what I would do, I mean, I certainly wouldn't eat anything. That was, I didn't eat from like Sunday until Wednesday, nothing. And I also though, I had to, I had to sweat out the weight and so I had these, I had this thing called vinyls and I would put a vinyl suit on and it was like this rubber suit that would clasp at the, at the, at the wrists and at the ankles and at the neck. And then I'd put sweats on top of that. I literally, I had one practice, I remember where I sweated out seven pounds in one practice. Again, not healthy. The eighties, we were crazy. There was no, here's the thing. In the eighties, there was no adult supervision. Basically, that's, that, there were none. We were just on our own figuring it out. But, but anyway, so I, you know, so when, when I'm trying to cut weight like this, I couldn't, when we had a water break, I couldn't go drink water because it would put it right back on. So I'd like rinse my mouth out. I'd go home, I would take two ice cubes and I would crush them up and I would suck on the ice cubes and I would just watch TV because I had no energy. Again, this was not healthy, but I'm just like, like this. And every commercial was like Burger King. <laughs> And Wendy's and what, I don't even know if Domino's was around there or whatever it was. But man, I was hungry. And so the way it would work is that I would go on Wednesdays, the weigh-in would be at like 5.30 and we'd wrestle at like 7.30. 7.30. So after, I would go Wednesday afternoon, if anyone's from Dumont, you know Dinero's subs in downtown Dumont, really good subs. I get the biggest sub that they had and I would just like smell it and I'd be like, soon, soon you will be mine. And so I'd put it in my locker and I'd get weighed in and then we would all just chow down, right? And so, so what Jesus is saying is that we need to look at the Holy... I don't know if this is exactly what Jesus had in mind, but I'll interpret. But let's look at what God has Asked for us the way that 17 year old me looked at that the narrow sub and that we would say I'm going to hunger and thirst for God. I'm going to hunger and thirst for everything that he has for me. David who was called repeatedly a man after God's own heart. And we know he messed up in so many big ways, but he was called a man after God's own heart because he always was hungry for God. He said this in Psalm 63:1. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I think we can all agree we are living in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And so we need to hunger and thirst for the living water that is available to us through the Holy Spirit. And my, you know, what I'm hoping to do here today is just to, just to get you saying yes to God in your heart. Just like say, yes, God, I want everything that you have for me. The fourth thing is this. We need to just simply ask God to give us all that he has for us. Just ask him. I think that's what the whole, I think the Holy Spirit is building something. He's doing something in our midst during this season. And it starts with us saying, God, I want more. God, I want everything that you have for me. Jesus put it this way. He said, if you then, Luke eleven thirteen, 13, though you are evil, he calls us evil. In comparison to God's goodness, we're evil. Know how to give good gifts to your children. You know how to make, you know, shock and awe on Christmas morning. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So we can trust if we ask God and we say, God, I want everything that you have for me. God, give me that hunger. Give me that thirst. God, pour out. I want to be baptized. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to everyone who asks? And so let me end with this. Ezekiel chapter 47. It's this wonderful picture. Ezekiel was prophesying during this time. He was getting the Israelites ready for the judgment and hard times that were coming. One of the things he saw was the presence of God departing from the temple, but God then began to show him how he was going to restore and the good things that he was going to do in the future. And and nine out of 10 times the Holy Spirit is is pictured or symbolized as a river in in the Old Testament and also in the New. And so Ezekiel got this picture of the river of God. Let me walk you through a little bit of it. Ezekiel 47, verse three, as the man who was an angel who's showing Ezekiel this, went westward, eastward rather, with a measuring line in his hand. He measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. And so the first step, the river of God, it's ankle deep. And so maybe some of you, that's where you are. And I don't say that as a judgment or anything else, but just to say, but you know what, there's more. God has more for you. Maybe you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you're you're figuring out what it means to follow him, and you're reading the Bible, and you're trying to understand what you're trying to understand, and you're in the water up to your ankles, and it's good. You're in the river. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but there's more, right? He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. And so maybe that's where some of you are this morning. That you've gone a little bit deeper into the river and the water's up to your knees. And so maybe you've not only accepted Jesus, you found a place to serve. You went to the growth track. You're in a life group, whatever it is. But you've moved a little bit more. And now it's knee deep. But there's more for you. Because it goes on and and says uh, that after the knee deep water, he measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. And so now you got someone waist deep water. You're like half, halfway in the water, right? You're like out there now. And the thing that if you've ever been in a river that has a strong current and if you're in like waist deep water, it's like it's hard not to get swept away by the current. And so you have to kind of brace yourself a little bit. Otherwise, the current's going to get you. And so, so maybe, you know, you got your feet on the ground and you're bracing yourself so you're not carried away by the current. And, and maybe that's where some of us are. That, yeah, you know what? We're waist deep. Like, we're really in the river. We're going for it. But we're still kind of in control. Our feet are still touching the ground. And so maybe, I'm talking to some people, there's something that God has been speaking to you. Something that he's asking you to lay it down. We sang, lay it all down. Maybe there's something God wants you to lay down. Or there's some step of obedience that God's calling you to. Or some ministry or something. But you're in that, like, waist deep water and you're kind of resisting. That can be kind of a dangerous place to be because the last thing we want, we don't want to get good at resisting God. Right? And the longer we resist God, the better we get at resisting God. And the Bible says that God is opposed to the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. I don't ever want, life is hard enough. I don't need God opposing me, right? So I don't want to resist God. I don't want to get good at that. But then if you're up waist deep, there's more. He measured off another thousand. But now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. And I think that's the picture of ultimately where God wants to lead us. He wants to bring us into that river. And you know what? The way that it works, if we're going to be immersed, if we're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we got to lift our feet off of the ground and we got to let the river carry us wherever he wants to carry us. See, we gotta, we gotta trust, we gotta trust God, say, God, I want you, I want your life, I want your power. And it doesn't work by us saying, God, I want all of you, I want you to fill me, but I want you to do it on my terms. And now I want your power to accomplish my purposes. It doesn't work that way. It's a paradox, right? We, we, we die to live. And so sometimes, you know what? Lifting your feet off of that ground and saying, God, I just want everything you have for me and I surrender all to you. It is like a death. It's a death to your will. It's a death to your plans. It's a death to you want what you want. But then what ends up happening when we come to that place of being filled with the Holy Spirit and surrendering completely to Him, it brings us to the abundant life that God has for us. Because the last thing that I'll go over here, the last thing Ezekiel sees with this river, Verse 9, it says, Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water, water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. See, that's what I'm talking about. That's what God is inviting us into. Where the river flows, where we're no longer trying to be in control, we're no longer ankle deep, we're no longer knee deep, we're no longer waist deep, we just say, God, I surrender to you. I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. I want your river to take me wherever it is you want to lead me because I know that where the river flows, everything will live. This is the place where there's life. This is the place where there's abundance. This is the thing where the salt water, the dead things in your life, turns into fresh water, turns into life-giving things in your life. God flips it all around, but it happens as we submit. It happens as we cry out for more. It happens as we trust God. It happens as we are baptized, as we, as we are immersed, as we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so, my point right now, where I'm just trying to lead this very simple point as we get ready to go into the season, I just want you to say that yes to God. I want you to just say in your heart, God, I want more. I want more of you. I don't want to be satisfied with where I am. I want everything that you have for me. And maybe there is something in your life. Maybe some of you know there's something that the Holy Spirit's speaking to you about. That, that you're giving this up or you're laying this down or you're trusting is kind of like you lifting your feet off of the ground and letting the current take you where you want to go. Wherever actually where he wants you to go. And so maybe for some of you, this yes, it's not a simple yes. It might be a costly yes. Right? If we love our life, we lose it. If we lose our life, we find it. And what we find is what Paul was talking about when he said the kingdom of God is love, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. Rivers of living water that are flowing in you and flowing through you. That's what will happen as we submit to God and as we cry out for God to fill us. We're going to have the ushers come through right now real quick. There's some ministry. There's some stuff I want to do here just real quick but let's have the ushers come and, and if you have your connection card you can put it in the basket if you have an envelope you can put it in the basket as it passes through here it's a little bit of a challenge for the ushers because we're spread out now in more of the room than we, uh, than we used to be but let's all, let's all stand and I want you to just focus on the Lord right now just look to Jesus And just say quietly in your heart to the Lord, God, I want everything you have for me. I want the more. I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I don't want to live life in my power and my might. I want it to be done by the Spirit. So come, Holy Spirit. I hunger for you. I thirst for you. For the living bread, for the living water. Fill me, Lord. I want all that you have for me, God. I want to be baptized and filled with your Holy Spirit. I lift up my feet. May your current take me wherever you want to take me because I know it'll be to a place of life. A place where everything lifts. I look to you. Bless your presence, God. More, Lord. I just trust, God, the way that, Lord, working in all of our hearts right now, breaking down the resistance, stirring up that hunger, giving us that yes. Yes, Lord. I want it all, God. Everything you have for me. So come, Holy Spirit. Bless your presence here. And I just want to encourage you, as we move forward into these 21 days of prayer, let's let's let God just continue to throw some more logs on the fire, whatever it is He's stirring up up in us right now. Because I think that we're moving into a season where we're going to see God breathe on us in a fresh and a new and a life-giving way. As we hunger and thirst, the promise from Jesus is we will be filled. So we love you, Lord. We bless your presence. We're going to have people from the prayer ministry team. They're going to be over here to my right. And uh, if you want, you know, I I really was, what I wanted to do this morning is to call us all up to the front to be prayed for and have hands laid on. And I just thought, I don't know if we're there yet with COVID, if that's something we should do, but I really wanted to do it. Uh, And hopefully we can do it soon. But, uh, but if you're comfortable having somebody lay hands on you and pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you can come right over here and they'll pray for you. If you need physical healing in your life, if you have an issue, whatever it is, wherever you need the power and presence of God to break into your life, we would love to have an opportunity to pray for you. All right, God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week and stay hungry for everything God has for you. God bless you.